Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adler Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adler Marcy, and today I am pleased beyond belief, as you can imagine. I got another legend, just roped him in a couple of weeks ago, the one and only Jonathan Rivera. Is it Rivera, dude? Am I saying it's anime? Yeah, you, you nailed it, bro, and legend to me seems like I should be dead, so maybe. <laughs> Living legend. <gasps> <laughs> We'll, get, we'll give you the Ric Flair treatment because he's still alive, which is fine. Just woo every time you want to, really. It's fine. Um, just give just quick heads up to everyone that doesn't know who Jonathan is. We're going to be covering that in just a moment. But real quick shout out to our sponsors today. Uh, we're sponsored by AdamMarcy.com. Go there, check out previous episodes of the show. Uh, go on iTunes, rate us, review us, share us, do all the fun stuff that you can. Also sponsored by the Podcast Factory dot com which is jonathan's business which is uh epic you're going to tell us a little bit about that in a moment but real quickly how i actually got to know jonathan was through ben settle who i think we just released this episode today while we we're recording this um the second time around so ben you you got ben to do a facebook live which is incredible <laughs> ben doesn't do that i tried to get him on a three-way podcast with me stephanie and shane and he was like no i'm too much of a ball hog i want the i want the spotlight on myself i'm like okay it's fine so how how did you well first of all how did you get into podcasting because like you are versed in the ways of direct response yeah it was actually by mistake and look i want to first of all i see the people that you've had on the show and i want to let everybody listening know that i'm not going to be as good as any of them he's so going to tune out now <laughs> he's going to be better don't worry we'll get it out of him we'll, we'll we'll uh we'll just set the bar really low okay so. <laughs> We can only climb up from here. But yeah, I mean, podcasting was by mistake. And really, uh, podcasting pulled me out of a rut. Uh, it was after the crash of the real estate market. I was in a hole in just total despair. I lost more money than I made. How is that even possible? I don't know. But I was in a hole. I didn't know what to do. And I realized that I had no education in business. I found podcasting just... Uh, I think uh, at the time, Cupcake, who's my wife, she had a, an iPod, and I'm like, shit, I got to get one of those. And then I found iTunes, and then I found all these great shows, because up until then, I was just listening to audiobooks. But I found shows on entrepreneurship, on marketing, on internet marketing specifically, and it was part of what helped rebuild me and bring me back, although it did, took about two years for me to come out of that slump. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, King, yeah, I know what you're talking about. King of that kind of whole feeling of how am I losing How am I losing more money than I'm currently making? How is that even possible? It's it what, Yeah, it really does. It sucks. I mean, my personal shit story that if I may share with everyone, I don't really get to talk about this one. One of my biggest failures in life has to be the time I remember I was 15 grand down in debt and I had no way out. And uh, every client piece I took on, whatever reason, for some reason, like the stench of despair just would reek off of me whenever I spoke to a client and they would just like, they would lowball me as much as like, as much as they could. Yikes. Yeah. So, so like, yeah, you can, you know, a $10,000, $15,000 sales package that I'd usually put together for a direct mail piece for them or a sales set for them. They were getting that for like 500 to like 1500 bucks. Just, Yikes. just simply because <laughs> I needed the money to eat. I was like, uh, right now, I really just need food. Uh, I, yeah, I, 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 it's not even for me. It's like for my cats, or like you know, sometimes for me. I'm like, I really need to eat something. Or I need to pay off this bill. I don't, you know, I need to make sure this doesn't go down this way. 
Um, so it just became like a hard, hard time. But then again, you always recover. I mean, life goes in cycles and people forget that. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's, that's a joy in my life is knowing like we're aware and you're aware. And so people listening here are aware it is a cycle. You're going to go up, you're going to go down and you just got to have the big picture in mind. Yep. And you got to have the balls to keep moving forward. And I don't mean that for males only. I mean that women, you have girl balls. It lady works. balls. Yeah, you have lady <laughs> balls. Some ladies have like bigger balls than most men I know, which is like crazy. It's like, that's know. like the whole U S right now with all these guys acting like chicks and chicks acting like don't, men. Don't, They're don't confused. Even, dude, don't even, I was fucking watching demolition man the other night. Yep. Right. Get this. 1993 demolition man. Freaking watching that again. Cause I'm like, you know, what? I really want to watch that movie. There's a statement in there that I think either Stallone or um, Stallone's character was Spartan or um, Wesley Snipes' character, Phoenix, says. They're like, yeah, this is a world that's just basically full of tranquil people that have, they're docile, they have nothing. You can, like, invade them tomorrow night and actually overtake them by the morning because they're not going to put up a fight because they don't know how. Yeah. And, of course, of course, the rant is way more explicit than I'm saying right now because it's just hilarious. But as soon as I heard that, I was like, I need to send this to Shane. Just remind him of this little conversation. No kidding. Always brilliant. But okay, so with your podcast, because like the podcast factory, tell me what that is. Because you've got like a lot of my friends, you've got a few of my former students, and some guys I've consulted for and consulted with um, over the years as your actual um, clients. So like, what is the podcast factory? Yeah, it really started by accident. And Ben, who, yeah, I see his episode was released today, um, was really the second show that I had. And it was just really me being selfish and greedy and being a little pig and saying that I wanted to have a reason to hang out with my mentors. And I used the guise of podcasting to enchant them in. And I figured if we recorded our conversations, put them on the air, that not only would it help me, but it would help all our listeners. And that has proven true for all the years that we have been in business now. That's pretty awesome. But I mean, like, what is the podcast factory particularly? Like, you guys produce shows for other people or? Yeah, that's where we're at now. We're a podcast agency. And so it goes deeper. Like the podcast, I always say that's the easy part. If you just need a podcast or somebody to work on sound, go to Fiverr or Upwork or something like that because that's not what we do. We're more deeper entrenched in the strategy of using audio content to convert listeners into raving fans and your best clients. And so that's where we spend more our, of our time nowadays is really the deep strategy and connecting with the market and making uh, it really easy to turn listeners into leads and into clients just using our... There it is. Yep, that was that was my cat being an asshole, just knocking boxes over. Knew it was I was waiting happen. for it. So yeah, so just using direct response along with audio content uh, with a specific purpose. And in our case, we work with uh, coaches, consultants, and folks like that who have high ticket offers. So turning listeners into raving fans and clients is what we do at the podcast factory. See, I love that because like the way I got into podcasting was. Um, I've always loved podcasting, so I, I started like two shows before I got to this one. And this one was kind of like, do you remember like back in 2013, 2000, well, 2012, 2013, where 
nearly everyone and their brother, mother, sister, whoever wanted to be like the authority guru person. Do you remember that? Yeah, like actually, that, that was that was the first. Uh, 2013 was the first show we launched on the Podcast Factory. Damn. I did shows before that; they all failed, but that was the first successful show. That's kind of interesting because that's end of 2013, start of 2014 is when I did my first show. Um, crazy times, right? But what I was going to say was that what really made me laugh was um, the idea that like all these everyone else is trying to be like the guru of something. Like I'm gonna train myself with zero fault. And I think it was Marshall Wayne, if I remember correctly. He was the first guy I suckered into actually being part of my show. I said, hey, do you mind if I just interview you? Because you and I have some really cool conversations on Facebook. And I think you're a cool guy. And he's like, yeah. I was like, but everything in your marketing, nothing. Well, at this point, it's like movie star entrepreneur. I was like, I really want to figure out how you have authenticity and show every aspect of your life. Because not a lot of people doing that. And that's what I want to do. So I got him on board, did the show, and just kind of found that that was the best way I enjoyed doing it. I didn't like the canned questions approach. You know what I'm on about, right? Just like, oh, yeah, I hate hey, that. Hey, tell me about your business. Oh. It's the fire out. round. Oh, God, I fucking hate stuff like that. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, there are some places that they genuinely ask good questions and you're like, holy crap, I did not see that coming. But it just got, it, I just wanted to have a conversation with people. And um, I listened to Joe Rogan at the time and, you know, big MMA fan myself and former competitor. So I listened to Rogan and I was like, what's stopping me doing this for business? Nothing. All right, great. Fire it up. Get people on board and say the word fuck if you feel like saying the word fuck. Don't mute it. And I hate editing, by the way. That's something I learned. <laughs> I, I don't like I write copy and I hate editing copy. So I try and get it right on the first go. Um, and then I had to hire an editor because my dyslexia played up a little bit too much. But that's how I got into it. And like was curious about what I was going to say to you was I love the fact that you've essentially created a formula to help people attract high end clients and leads. And I, I guess not to shed too much because obviously that's what you get paid for. But what would be like a really obvious mistake people make when it comes down to podcasting and relatively getting people to actually subscribe to them or getting to know them? I think the biggest mistake that we have seen over the years and I have been guilty of, and uh, it's one of the three deadly sins of podcasting, a report I just put out there, but it's going in without a, a plan to ROI. And so if you go in and say, I'm going to play Ev Williams and be like, I'm going to build it up and get people on the network and then I'll figure out how to make money, you're screwed. Yep. Or wait, you're fucked, okay? Because I've, <laughs> I've been down that road and it leads to nowhere and it hurts when you spend all that time, all that money, uh, you invest in creating this audio content, it does nothing for you. So that that's the first thing. Before we record a word, before they even have to worry about equipment, I have my clients working on uh, something that I call the client cloner and we identify their best clients in their business. We find their commonalities. We find what motivates them and what scares the hell out of them. And we plan the entire podcast and the podcast funnel around that. That's pretty cool. See, I love that. And I love the fact that it won't be like, yeah, you're totally screwed. It's like, wait a second. I don't have to censor myself. Fucked. You're fucked. I brought it. I brought it for you. <laughs> I, can, I can just hear it in your brain. Kind of going, wait a second. I'm not censored. Yes. 
So that's pretty cool. So that's the first step they said. Now, obviously, you've got the report saying that. Where can people go check that out, by the way? Just curiosity. I'm going to just drop that in the middle. Yeah, I, I don't even know where I'm going to put it yet. <laughs> but uh, oh, thepodcastfactory.com, probably somewhere around there you'll find it. And I'm definitely, I just hired an agency, so you'll see it. If you're on Facebook, you might get hit by it. Yeah, most likely you will. If you see this episode, you probably will. Just make fun of him. Seriously, that's that's the best thing to do with. I Jonathan. love that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So my curious, my curiosity kind of like walks down the line of like, what is it that you do? Out, like, actually, no, no, what do you do? Who was it that you studied more than anything to actually really get your direct direct response um, ideas, like your your creativity in that? Because like, I started out listening to. Um, people like Halbert and listen to like Jay Abraham and stuff like that. Who was your person that you went to first? That's why you're a paid copywriter and I'm not because I did not start there. <laughs> I started like really direct response. I didn't even know much. I mean, I knew what it was, but I didn't really get deeply into it until 2011 when I first ran into Ben Settle and his email players. And you know how Ben is in his teachings, he's always quoting this guy or that guy and go check him out. So anytime Ben dropped somebody for me to check out, I would go check it out. And so uh, the earliest one that I can think of, which has made me a fair amount of money, is like Robert Collier. Uh, awesome. Yeah, that would be one. And really, I went down the rabbit hole of Halbert and all that stuff after that. But to me, like Dan Kennedy has made me quite a bit of money. Just using some of his stuff, but you know, you don't. You just have to know some of the basics, and so I learned. I, I found a good entryway through Ben Settle, and since I trusted him, anytime he made a recommendation, I checked him out. And the other guy, the second guy, so I had uh, Making Agents Rich in 2013, first show before I even knew what the podcast factory was. 2014, I brought on Ben Settle, and then right after that, I brought on Doberman Dan. So Doberman Dan has helped me out a ton as well. I don't know if you had him on the show, yep, but you had should. him on the show. Nope, had him there on the show come. already. Want him, want him back again. He's like really annoying to get a hold of on Facebook. Oh yeah. Oh, not Facebook. You got to go through like his ticket system and make it yep. through his Guardian and all that stuff. Yeah, I've got, I've got to find his email address again. That dude was great to have on the show. But I, I love the fact that you went through like Dobe and Dan, Settle and all that. The other, way. to be fair, I kind of lied a little bit. My first teacher wasn't Albert. My first teacher was Billy Mays. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, even, like my story's like crazy. I started like learning how to sell when I was five and started copywriting unconsciously at twelve and went pro at eighteen. Wow. That's like the craziest thing. Like people look at me and go, how is writing copy so easy for you? I'm like, um, 16 years of daily practice. Yeah, and that'll like, do it. Yeah, but then again, like the other thing I always tell copywriters, so anyone listening to this, if there's anything I'd say work on more than your skill, work on your self-esteem and your confidence. Because that shit right there is the reason why I ended up broke so many times. Not having enough of it. Yeah. Yeah, imposter what, syndrome type stuff i know exactly what you're talking about partially and also kind of like i joked about this with stephanie arroyo and caleb o'dowd as well i just jokingly said i'm like the mark ruffalo of the direct response industry and they were like what do you mean i was like mark ruffalo is famous but he still acts like he's a complete fanboy of, among other actors right i'm the exact same with copyrights and business people even though it's now becoming more and more apparent that I have like an audience of people who kind of look at me and go, oh shit, that's Adel. We should totally fo follow him. I'm like, why are you guys following me? What's going on? Why do you hire me? 
hey, it's the thing that happens. Nice. Okay, so I gotta ask, what was your single biggest turning point, especially with actually? Let's backtrack on that. Howard Stern, because I read about this. You were driving every day, and you were listening to Howard Stern. What was it about that guy that was so charismatic? Yeah, that was back when I was in construction, and I was up early driving to a job I hated every single day. Good times. So the only <laughs> thing I look forward to is that that morning commute with Stern, and it was just the the entertainment, the entertainment factor. It's it's hard to carry an audience, and for him, he was doing it at that time. He was carrying. A show every day, four hours a day, like that. That's impressive. But it was just, I could listen, be entertained, want to know what happened next, and just always loved that that vibe in the talk radio. It was just fun. Yeah, that's true. So, like, have you actually reverse engineered any of that stuff in what you do, or no? Dude, I'm not that smart. <laughs> I don't. He says I don't that. Really, <laughs> I don't. I don't really know. I, I haven't reverse engineered, and I wish that I would do that. I, I don't know if you've had uh, Joe from Agora on yet. No, but I Joe, haven't. oh, you got to get him on, man. Like when he he talks about copyboarding and stuff, but the way he talks about reading sales letters and deconstructing them and knowing why this piece works with that piece, I wish I had that skill, oh, but no. I, I just don't. I don't. I don't know, man. I'm just. I I find the mentors that I like, and I just do what they say. I don't reverse engineer. I just do what I'm told. <laughs> The perfect client. Right. That's <laughs> what he's been told, and he just gets on with it. So I'm curious. Like, I, first of all, I gotta grab. Uh, I, if you don't mind, I'd love to get an introduction to that guy because I think that'd be just brilliant to have him on the show. But Absolutely. Second, but secondly, I was gonna say, like, so what are some of your hobbies then? Because, like, honestly, you really do strike me as the guy that's kind of like, you know what, dude? I like to work, but I have a chill time. I like, like my chill point. I spend most of my time just chilling out and relaxing and doing what I want to do. So what is it that you do in your in your downtime, in your relaxed time? I mean, if you ask people, they'd say I probably relax too much because I'm I'm pretty rigid about not working more than 20 hours a week. Epic. And yeah, I mean, most people will say and and cut cake and I have had this conversation where she even used to get on me a little bit about it. She's like, "Don't tell people that. They're going to think you're lazy." And I'm like, "I don't know about that, but I do believe that most people will pretend they're working when they're on Facebook fucking around, you know, liking stuff and commenting and all that stuff. And to me, I track real work when I'm doing something. And even if it's not good work, like last week I had a lot of admin work and I have this little tracking app that has admin and red and I see that red on my calendar and I'm like, shit, man, I got to get back into the green because green is all my uh, most productive activity. But yeah, I, I, I t do 20 hours of focused work a week and I try not to go over that and so the rest of the time is really physically taking care of myself having time with my family like for instance before we got on today I already had it written in my schedule yesterday before I left work that I was going to go do orange theory for 60 minutes come home have breakfast with my family and then get on a call with you and so physically taking care of myself I've got to get back into surfing I slacked off we do a lot of snowboarding and you know just like reading and hanging out and being with family is really where I spend most of my time dude that's epic so I gotta ask are you more well I don't know if it actually counts in snowboarding being goofy footed or regular footed because I'm a skateboard oh you're a goofy all day. hells yes <laughs> sorry Goofy as well, like um, that's I'm skating. I'm a skateboarder, so 
I'm always a goofy. Actually, it's really weird. I started out as a regular footed and then I like had a knee surgery and then followed it by a second knee surgery. And then I was like, yeah, I can't ride normal anymore. I have to ride goofy. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Can't do any tricks off of my board anymore. I just use it for transport whenever I'm like going around the town. So that that's pretty cool. I love the fact that you actually have dedicated time for what you do rather than essentially what everyone else does. As you said, fuck around on Facebook all day. Oh, I'm just, you know, liking posts and I've been guilty of it. And it's funny because I made this video today about um, using procrastination for, for, for your benefit because I procrastinate a lot, obviously. Um, and one of the ways I do that, and I want to get your input on this, one of the ways I do that is I kind of plan it like a cheat meal day. So like Wednesday or something would be like, I'm not working at all on anyone else's stuff. What's my cheat meal stuff today? I'm going to play video games. I'm going to go eat. I'm going to go out in the sun. I'm going to go sit down and relax. I'm going to read a book that I want to read. And I'm going to watch a movie. And then tomorrow I can go do some work. That's the way like, I plan my cheat days. Do you have anything like that? Or do you just like kind of go, you know what? 20 hours worth of admin work. Done. Cool. Rest of the week's fine. Bro. 20 minutes of admin work and I'm pissed. Forget 20 <laughs> That makes me angry AF. But yeah, so I'm in strategic coach. I'm in my third year and the first year they pounded into us the entrepreneurial time system and making sure that you have free focus and buffer days. And so for the longest time I was doing really good, three free days a week. So Wednesday, Saturday and Sunday, free days, no work at all. And then I try to get uh, three focus days and one uh, buffer day. Focus is like your unique ability, the stuff that you're best at. For instance, you probably writing copy would be right at the top of that list. Uh, for me, it's creating assets or being on calls with clients or sales calls. But yeah, that stuff is built into the schedule. And just last month, we got our real estate business back. So uh, a manager who was there for five years quit. And so then I had to go back and run that. And so my schedule has been a little bit crazy. So I have to mix it in. And what I call it now while I'm in transition is flex time. So like yesterday, I had to be at the office uh, till 11. And then I was recording with Doberman Dan at three. So I had flex time in the middle and I went by the, the Space Coast and had a steak and a couple beers nice. because that's what I wanted to do and that was my flex time and I didn't have to pretend I was working. See, that's really cool that you do do stuff like that. But I gotta ask, strategic coach, who's that? Is that Dan Sullivan? It is, the one and only. Yeah, that dude's awesome. It's, he is. It's crazy, it's like, um, there's so many people I like following and studying, but at the same time right now where my brain's going, I'm kinda like, you know what, just focus on one person at a time get the shit done, get a result, move on, rather than like how I used to do things when I was in my early 20s, which is like, I'll study everything and everyone will be done. And surprisingly, mm. copywriting is not my favorite thing to do in the world. I'm just very good at it. It's my favorite thing to do in the world is consulting. Like if you give me an ad, um, I think I've done this, I've not really done this on a podcast. So who knows, this might be the first time I do this. Um, I love it when like, a client or anyone just gives me a really random thing, like anything could be like, okay, tell me what my new squeeze page should be. And I just like bang out like a verbalized sales piece for them and send them a recording afterwards. And they're like, so you managed to do my ads, my squeeze page, my emails, my sales letter, my webinar follow-up sequence, all in about 90 minutes. I was like, yeah, how to do that. I was like, <laughs> practice. Just go on a flow, see what's up and come back out. Though my only downside to that is if someone speaks to me or even says, oh my God, that's amazing, or wow, halfway through me speaking, it derails me entirely. I'm like, could you just mute yourself? Just mute yourself until I'm done. 
Like, really? I'm like, yes. Quiet, please. <laughs> it's one of those, it's like performance anxiety, man. I've got to have like complete silence. Oh, man. So curiously wondering, what's one of your favorite movies um, that you've seen? Like all-time favorite movies. Like what would you say is like, this is a movie I can go back to and watch over and over again. So right now, it's changed since I've gotten older. You'd ask me that maybe five years ago, I would say like 12 Monkeys. Uh, but today, it's more Inception. Inception Ooh. and the, the Dark Knight series are two two of my favorites. So that's three, four movies that Dude, I could I'll, go back I'll, to. I've got a little treat for you, Ben. Um, you know Joker, Heath Ledger's Joker? Yeah. I can actually do his voice. Here we go. Yeah. Do the rest of the interview in his voice, please. Okay, you want me to do the entire... Okay, <laughs> fuck it. We're going we're gonna to do the next 30 minutes or so as Heath Ledger's Joker... Got into fucking character for this one. Thanks, man. <clears throat> I had to open my goddamn mouth, didn't I? <laughs> okay. Ha, 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 he, ha, who, he, So, let me ask you a very simple question, Jonathan. Do you believe that every single entrepreneur out there is just a little bit crazy? Or do they have purpose? Wow. That, that's a serious question coming from the Joker. Um, you have to be a little bit crazy to be an entrepreneur and that's, that's because you will, I mean, most people are raised up in this world of security and it's good to have a job and it's, it's good to have a secure income and all that stuff. And so you'd have to be a little bit crazy to go away from your programming, uh, to go ahead and strike out on your own many, many times till you get a hit. Uh, so yeah, they're a little crazy, but the purpose, I mean, you couldn't do it if you didn't have purpose. If you didn't know why you were doing it, you couldn't take the ups and downs. And that's why people don't make it as entrepreneurs because they don't realize, oh shit, it's harder than I thought. Oh my God, this is work. Oh my, I thought it was just going to be like just fun, but yeah, it's fun after you get through the miles of shit. Yeah, it's fun. Sure. But, uh, yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. See, now that's the actual question there. I think entrepreneurialism is just like insanity and gravity. It just needs a little push. But I'm not going to do that voice the rest of this interview because I would want to, <laughs> but it's starting to actually kill my throat right now. And I, I can't bet. water because like damn first day of fasting. <laughs> no food or water today, man. It's like, Why are you fasting? What, what's that all about? Dude, I'm Muslim, so it's Ramadan. Oh, really? How long do you have to fast? So it's like from, I think, 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning until about 8, not 8, not, well, it's actually 9 o'clock, like 8.50, 9 o'clock in the evening. So sunrise, sunset every day, like no food, no water. No water either. That's yeah. extreme. Oh, yeah. Hells, yeah. It's like because I haven't fasted for like, the, by the time the show comes out, Ramadan will be like long over and stuff. But um, I, the last five years, I had like a stomach condition, which prevented me from fasting. And this year I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's see what happens. I probably shouldn't be swearing as well, but screw it. I'm on a show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's essentially, it's just something to do. And it's just caning my voice. Cause I'm looking at a bottle of water right now going, I really want to drink you right now, but I right, bet it's just not yet. So I'm not even thirsty. It's just more or less. I know if I do a voice, my throat dries out and stuff, but I got a really question. Um, something you said that about the journey, it's when you're traveling through the, it's not even a mile. I wish it was just a mile of shit like Andy Dufresne had to in like, you know, Shawshank Redemption. It's it's more like, how do I put this? It's 
it's more like a light year of of walking through the shit with like brief intervals of happiness. And I don't know. That, that's the way I look at life sometimes. It's kind of like there's a lot of shit. You can either walk on top of it or through it. It's up to you. I I okay. I'll I'll uh. Now that we're painting graphic pictures, it's like uh, swimming through a mile of shit with your mouth open. How about that? that, that that's that's actually probably the truth. Every so often you catch a slice of pizza. Oh, your favorite treat is enjoy that image. Oh, no, <laughs> that, no, that's like no. I've lost at least half my audience on one, on one analogy. Wow. You, I've got a new PDF for you, by the way. You should totally right. Just, just, it's a one page. It's like... Shit you should never say on air, they'll lose half your audience. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't paint pleasant pictures, not horrible ones. But that being said, though, um, I got I to gotta curiously uh, jump off there. So it's more or less like when you're actually talking about the Nolan series and Inception, what particularly about like um, Inception is it? Because a lot of people love that movie, including myself. But what is it that you took away? Because I've realized entrepreneurs see things from a different light, so they don't take away everything the same way normal people do. Yeah, it's just a soundtrack. It is like the soundtrack. It makes me happy. I use it for writing. But uh, I think the idea of being a marketer, really at the end of the day, I think we're persuaders. And so to me, it's like the highest level of persuasion is to implant an idea they didn't even know they had and make it feel like it's their own idea to get them to take the action you want. And I feel like that's what we do every day. Yep. That's true. That is true. And something I did want to curiously ask you on, just again, off this one point, with Facebook posting or social media posting, what would you say is the best way to actually essentially cater your content to your audience? Because there are some people I've worked with, including myself, I went through this transitioning period, well, whenever I wrote Facebook posts or whatever it was, I never felt they were good enough or I would struggle to write like those really long posts that you see everyone else writing. So what was it like? I don't know if you actually do this, but what advice would you give to someone that is in that situation? Like even with that podcast, say. Yeah, it's a struggle. And actually, I saw that you had Chris on here from Smartest Guys in Marketing, which I, I mean, they're my clients and I'm their client. And that was one of the things that they made me do that I didn't want to do was like go out and do more social media posting. And look, I write daily emails and I have no I, I did uh, a newsletter for two years. Yeah. And so writing is easy for me. Well, not easy, but I can do it. It's just yeah. something that's coming natural because I spent so many years practicing. But that social media thing is it's so hard, like bringing that personality and and then figuring out i guess the, the worst part about it is the immediate feedback is like either people love it or hate it and that's bad if you're thin skin but it's great if you're a marketer trying to do market research because you're like okay this didn't hit let me get this idea and so i learned a lot by posting organic and i started before i uh when i was first doing it like when chris and taylor made me do it i was talking about podcasting and stuff and like who gives a shit? Like nobody cares about podcasting. When I started showing pictures of my sock drawer and talking about other stuff, it, it got more engaging. And so I think that the main thing is to get in there and do it and to not take it personally if things hit or not, but it's course correction. Yes, this worked. Keep doing it. No, this didn't make a course correction. It's that simple. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree on that one. It's kind of the weirdest stuff that gets the biggest engagement. I think I posted two separate posts about if you could have 
if you could work on one skill in the next 90 days, what would it be? And the other one was um, just yeah, yes or no. I hate the yes or no questions, but I only did this because it was a genuine question. I had someone that was sat next to me. I was like, yes, I'll ask you the question as well. Yes or, yes or no, Would you, if you could find out the day of your death, would you want to know? No. See, I would. I actually want to know when I die. Why? Essentially, it's one. Of the, it's kind of an interesting thing because someone else wrote this and it's it's teetering on. I can hear Shane Hunter's fucking voice in the back of my head because Shane goes, uh, "Remember, you're dying every second anyway. You're only wasting time because you think that you're going to live forever." And that is actually what it is. If I know exactly when I'm going to die, it puts a lot of things into focus because I've spoken to a lot of cancer patients and I used to work in the terminal. Uh, I used to go read to the terminal patients at time from time to time when I was younger, and one of the biggest keys of advice or one of the best pieces of advice they used to give me was uh the story and i heard it over and over again was the moment i found out i was going to die and i'm terminal and only have x amount of time to live everything that was that i thought meant something but really didn't drop by the wayside so only the important shit was left i was like huh they're like yeah i was like so that's that's where the question really kind of came to me was came for me was i wonder if i could find out when i would die that kind of drops all the shit that I think is valuable, that really isn't valuable, that's only perceived value, drops down only the stuff that's truly valuable is left. But I mean, you can reverse engineer that anyway. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm living an enlightened life because I already know I'm dying every day and I live a life where I spend every day trying to enjoy the things like my family, my son, my wife, my downtime. And that's why I only will give 20 hours a week to this work thing because the life happens out there and I'm going to have as much of it as I can till I take my last fucking breath. See, that's awesome. That is pretty cool. So do you travel a lot as well? Like, is that something you guys do? Or is it something that you, uh... I am dude. I, I'm so disappointed right now. Cause it's when we're recording this, it's may and we're supposed to be at the beach for a month. That's what we usually do. May, June, but we skipped that this year cause we have a bunch of masterminds and other things to do. But yeah, we travel as much as we can, and one of the things that I will not compromise on is we did uh, five weeks in Park City, Utah, February, uh, January to February, um, and we'll do it again. I want to do five or six weeks, but yeah, anytime we get a chance to, to travel, we take it, and I'm trying to live that. Like I said, forget work. Let's go live that mini retirement that Tim Ferriss talks about. I just want to live that every three months. Dude, I, I love that. See, my plan is to do the exact same thing. Um, like, right now, I just do it in the UK, but, like, start traveling abroad. And my plan is uh, weekends. Like, go leave on a Friday afternoon around this time. I just leave leave my apartment, leave the keys to my friend, and fly somewhere, to, somewhere in Europe, spend three days there, and fly back on a Sunday evening. Beautiful. That's all I want to do, like, all the time. And my friends, I've spoken to a couple of friends about this. They're like... Yeah, but wouldn't you get bored? Like, you're only spending three days there. I was like, no, because I'm spending three days there. I get to do all the fun shit I want to do, but in a different country. Like, I'm not... The, I would see some touristy sites, but I know if I'm going anywhere, I've got, like, a set plan of where I want to be. Like, um, I know I want to go to San Sebastian in Spain. Why? They apparently have amazing cheesecake, and I want to try it. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's like, you're flying all the way to San Sebastian for cheesecake. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? <laughs> What's wrong with you? You won't. <laughs> oh man, it's like uh, I like guy, it. There's a guy called Neil Asher, and I remember this one conversation I had with him when I was 20 years old, so like eight years ago. 
had this conversation. He used to be a chef, and he would fly from uh, England, so Brighton, which isn't too far away from London. He'd fly from there to, to go to Italy in the morning to buy fresh ingredients and take an afternoon flight back. Just because he's like, why'd you go to Italy? He's like, oh, I wanted some Italian food and I wanted some ingredients. So I went to Italy, bought it, put it on my put it in my suitcase and flew back. Wow. I was like, I really? love it. Because that's amazing. Hell yeah. Why wouldn't you, right? So let, let's talk about the newsletter for a second here. So you actually used to produce the podcast mogul newsletter. Was that correct? Podcast mogul read in 10 countries. Yeah, I was so Hell proud so. of that thing. Two years of it. Dude, why did you stop? Because I know you stopped producing it, but why? What was the reason behind it? Well, I felt like I was boxed in. And it's interesting because if you talk to Ben Settle about the newsletter, his first newsletter was a crypto marketing newsletter, which was more general. And then he went to email players, which was uh, niched down. And so I started out niched down with the podcast mogul. And after two years and... I don't know. They're they're probably I, I don't know. So many, so many issues. Are at least twenty pages each. I felt like I, that was it. I talked about podcasting, and I felt kind of boxed in, imprisoned. And there's other things like this is the whole reason I used to be before I started the podcast factory. I used to be uh, in real estate training, like marketing lead generation training, real estate agents how to how to do the marketing stuff that we all do on the internet. And that was something that it was fun at the time, but I just, I didn't really feel like I was making the impact that I'm meant to make on the world. Like, yeah, great. You know, helping people buy a house is a wonderful thing, big experience, but that's it. Like, that's the experience. There's nothing more to it. And I felt kind of like that with the podcast mogul. I'm like, all right, yeah, talked a lot about podcasting. That's not really where I'm at now. And so I'm moving towards the idea and it's still in my head percolating of daddy's working and that's really I mean that's really where my passion is and that leaves me wide open to talk about mindset to talk about marketing to talk about business it leaves me more room to talk about the things that I'm about that's good I mean though that that allows you to have just that openness of experience and the only reason I'm asking is because I'm actually launching two newsletters this year as well Wow. So uh, I've got one that's basically geared towards um, helping people basically. Well, essentially, if you're in business, it's more of a generalized, here's direct response principles that you can apply in your business and case studies and such. And the other is specifically targeted to new copywriters to understand what goes on. And I still cannot believe I got the domain for it. The copywritersroom.com or copywritersroom.com. Cannot believe I got that domain, but hey, shit happens. So... When you so are you ever going to release the back issues like because you have like if I remember that'd be like about twenty four. I issues. did two years. Yeah. yeah, I did two years, and so that's something that I'm struggling with right now. And I don't know if it's a struggle, but it's in my mind. Like for instance, we'll go right back to Ben Sennel. He's one of my biggest mentors. That's why we worked together for four years. Um, I got his his product on like client generation, I forget what he calls it, but he talks about having a book as being a great way to demonstrate and using daily emails to write your book. Oh shit, I hope I'm not giving too much away. No, no, go for it. It's all good. <laughs> but, yeah, fine. but I'm thinking, yeah, maybe, I mean, I could fill up a book and it, it the problem is it'd probably be 600 pages, but that's a whole different story. But I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what am I going to do with that? It's an asset. And I've actually, you know, a lot of the time that I spent writing that newsletter, 
a lot of the newsletters were geared towards my clients. My client would ask me a question. It'd be a good question. I'd write a newsletter about it and then put it in my back end flow so that the next client with the question already had it answered. Um, so yeah, maybe I will, maybe I won't. I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. That's the uh, truth there. Well, if you ever do, give me a shout before you put it out because I want to, I want to grab a copy of it all now. Seems all like right. it'd be a fun little read to actually apply for my business and my podcast. Yeah, it might be. Or you might already know all this shit. Who knows? <laughs> I doubt that heavily. There is no such thing as knowing everything. You can know a Good lot, for you can always learn new shit as well. Dude, yeah. I, one of my clients le- legit taught me more stuff. Um, and they were, they were my client. I helped them. And they basically turned around and gave me more of a breakdown of my own copy than I did for them. And wow. they have no idea about this. Because all they did, they sent me back an email going, yeah, this works really well. By the way, did you think of this different angle that you can pursue on? I was like, I didn't even think of that shit. Holy crap, nice. it's a whole different revenue. <laughs> Just ran with it. So, you know, you always learn new shit, always. And uh, there's, there's no problem with that. So one of my favorite questions to ask on the show, actually, you're going to be the first person to ask uh, on the show about this, is did you ever have a life motto? And is it still the same or did it change? And if it changed, what changed it? Yeah, I do. Well... Let's see. I have ha- I've had a couple, but the one that has stayed in place. So, all right. When I was in construction, I moved to Maryland because I was dating a flight attendant and she was based at a BWI. So I went over there and I worked in uh, Baltimore and I actually hung out in Baltimore. And if you've ever watched The Wire, I'm pretty certain that I was hanging out on some of those streets. It's like, what the hell was I doing there? Um, but I was hanging. I mean, the people were cool. Uh, just good good people that I was hanging with. And there was this this guy that for some reason took a liking to me. Not in a weird way, but, you know, he would look out for Are me. You sure? Are you sure? <laughs> I'm not actually. Now that I'm thinking about it. But <laughs> that's besides the point. Um, but anyways, they would look out for me because I'd hang out on the stoop and we'd drink St. Pauli girls beer and chill and all that stuff. And um, his name was Big Frank. And the kids would act up and stuff and in, in, in front of the stoop, in front of the house. And, and he'd be like, what are you going to do? Don't talk about it. Be about it. Don't don't talk about it. Be about it. You, you're going to do something? Like... Do not talk about it, be about it. And so I love that. And I love that in life. I love that in business. I just love that in general. Forget talking about it and do something. And so that has now morphed into something that I got from Deirdrek, Rob Deirdrek. I hope I'm saying his name right. Anyways, do work. Two words, very simple, D. W do work because people talk and they learn and they educate themselves. They're book smart, but until you apply that knowledge, it is not yours. Yep. Yep. I agree like entirely with you there. And that's a great motto to have, DW. It works well too with daddy's working, DW. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. <laughs> I think if I say that right now, it could be taken completely out of context. So right. I don't have a child yet, so it, it would be weird. Um, I'm just thinking of how I could use that with my friends, just randomly if I'm working like daddy's working. So like, did you just call yourself daddy? I'm like, yes, <laughs> shut up, enjoy it. Uh, do um, it, do so it. So one of my, again, we've already covered what one of your favorite movies franchises are. So my curiosity here kind of comes through, what are three really good books that you'd recommend anyone would read? It could be business, could be non-business, could be fictional, could be anything you want. Just three good books that you recommend anyone reads. 
Yeah, so right off the top of my head, I'm just thinking about, uh, because I'm headed to strategic coach in a couple weeks, is uh, Dan Sullivan's 25-year framework. And that one just kind of puts everything into perspective, especially if you think you don't have enough time. You have more time than you know, and you're probably wasting it. And so that book is one of my favorites. Uh, another one that I'm going to reread now because I just read like six months ago is Psycho Cybernetics. And yeah, I mean, I wasn't ready for it when I was younger and I would have been like, this is a bunch of bullshit. But as you reach new levels and you see those new devils, you have to figure out how to overcome them. And I feel like that book is a great foundation. And the other one I wanted, you know what? I'm going to replace it because I see he's been on your show and I've been reading this one. Matt Fury, Expect to Win, Hate to Lose is another Ooh. great book. That's good. I haven't read that yet. Even if Fury had a book. It's right in front of me, bro. I'm, I read this before I go into Orange Theory. I get my head right and there's all these fat people around me like lazy and I'm like, I'm getting focused and I'm going to get pumped up and I hit that fucking treadmill and I'm like, I'm going to rock these people. <laughs> really, I'm just rocking myself, but Fury helps yeah, me get pumped up for that. Yeah, I just found it. I'm going to order it today. Should be good read. All right, awesome. Wait, was that your third book? Because I thought that was your second book. No, that was three. I did uh, the 25-year frame book, framework, Psycho-Cybernetics, and Expect to Win, expect to win. I'll tell you one more, though. That yeah, is really it. like a book that I could not put down. And this is rare because I usually have like three books I'm reading in rotation. And so this book, it was like all I could read. It's Steve Seibold, 177 Mental, Mental Toughness. toughness oh, yep. God. Love that book. That is book. So good. He's a good dude. I like him. I've actually been, yeah. uh, he's just, a, he's a guy that I've been trying to get on the show for a while now, but the guy's like crazy good. Yeah. Man, that guy's that that probably gonna have to revisit that because he had another book called um, Habits of like successful habits that millionaires have or something like yes, the rich yes habits of the rich can't remember the title of the book but check that book out as well if you haven't guys uh, as well as you Jonathan if you haven't um, really good book so one of my favorite questions really to ask here because I'm glad we've, we've spoken a lot about this but we haven't really I've been saving it for this one question I have for you and uh -oh. that is. Do you remember that time, you know, when you had your ass handed to you and you were basically flat on your back, confidence completely rocked to the core, like you're like, I have no idea what's going on. And you built yourself back up over that two year period. Yeah. At that moment, what was it that actually got you to get up? Because when you get your ass knocked down, you have two options. You can either get up or you can just keep laying down. What was it that got you to get up? You know what, Adil, you know what's funny is, do you remember that time? <laughs> like, that time never leaves me, bro. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what it means. I gotta it, ask it that way. It's so, it's always right there, and I never want to return to it, and so everything motivates me. I, I, uh, I was married, like, we first got married right around that time, and I was in a funk, and really, the thing that I believe helped me drive out of that was that my wife didn't look at me like the failure that I felt I was. And I had to live up to her expectations of me because she believed in me more than I did at that time. And I rose up to the occasion and got out of there. And it's really because that confidence wasn't there, so I had to borrow it from her. That's awesome. That is actually awesome. Just like the sheer fact that someone else, that you took the confidence from someone else and actually ran with it because far too often I've noticed some people actually don't 
they'll they'll get the confidence and then they'll just run they won't run with it they'll let it be and just walk away and be like no they're lying it's all bullshit but that's good that you did and that's dude you know that and i think that makes a case for getting the right mentors like i look at the people that you've had on your show here and i've worked with a lot of these people as you mentioned earlier and uh, i'll tell you the the greatest ones so far chris and taylor with traffic and funnels them guys believed in me more than i did and they were my clients and they helped me to rebuild my business double my prices and get more confidence because they believed in me and i think that's a trait that you need like you said you don't know everything and that's what us as entrepreneurs us at we're 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 more than entrepreneurs. We're awake. We know what's going on. We're moving and shaking in the world. We're not these uh, cow-faced people that are just going through life like zombies. And so finding those spots where sometimes you can get shored up, whether it's with a mentor, whether it's with a loved one, whether it's from a book, reading somebody's story, finding that and transferring that energy and using it is going to be a key to getting you through all the rough spots, I think. That is so true. And thank you for sharing that, by the way. That was a bonus tip for you guys that were listening. I'm like, what's he talking about? Write that one down. It's a bonus tip. And again, my favorite question of the show is always down to this thing. And you kind of already given... Actually, fuck it. That was tip number one. There's two more to come. He has Uh-oh. no idea about this. So my question, one of my favorite questions on the show is always this. If you could give three pieces of advice to any entrepreneur that's either plateauing, uh, you know, just kind of hitting a really shit period, or they're just kind of like, you know, they're cruising along, but at a good place. So plateaus are the ones that actually know, like, I'm starting to get bored, stagnant, and I want to destroy shit. The other one's like, I'm fucked up, and I don't know what's happening here. And the third lot are like, I've got things okay. They're in a happy moment. What three pieces of advice would you give them? Obviously, you've already given one. We can use that, or you can give three new, uh, another new one as well if you want. Okay, so number one, plateauing. If you're plateauing and getting bored, change up your routine. I just recently went through this. Change up your routine is one, and... Two is the gap, and this is an exercise Dan Sullivan teaches, is if you feel like you're not making progress and you're looking at the horizon, the horizon will keep moving away from you. So what you need to do is turn around and see where you came from. That's the gap from where you came from to where you are, and then you'll be rejuvenated if you do it right. And so, all right, so that's the plateau one. What was the second guy? The person that was messed up, you have to find outside help. And you, I don't, I mean, there's people like Ben settles like a robot or something. He doesn't need outside perspective. He says this shit all the time and I, I actually believe him, but me, I need a coach. I need outside perspective. I need to elevate my environment. And this is something that if I could start all over again, I would invest in my environment before my education because getting around the right people is better than any course, any book or anything, in my opinion. Yep. And, and so what was the last guy so we had I messed up we had the guy plateau. that's happily cruising along it's like the, no. they're, in, they're in the bliss period right now no 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 live your life paranoid and this is me bro <laughs> I live my life paranoid I'm like I don't know enough about my market I must be a sociopath I don't have any empathy I'm not feeling it I'm, I'm constantly researching and trying to dig up what else motivates these people what else can I do Live your life paranoid so that you never get knocked off because you're always working to get ahead. That is some really, really good advice right there. And I fucking love the fact that you're just like, no, don't be normal. Just be paranoid. It shit works. <laughs> it really does. Like, genuinely it does. If you're not paranoid, you're just going to get comfortable. Yeah. Like, 
that's that's essentially how you fuck things up in my opinion is um you get you get comfortable comfortability is the uh is the enemy well it's not even laziness it's laziness is the enemy of progress i think that is a form of laziness being comfortable and content and that's just i don't think that's our way If, if that's the way you feel you need to get a job yeah forget it Oh yeah, definitely. It's like I was having this conversation with Stephanie um, Arroyo about this. On like she's she's going to be she would have been released a couple of weeks ago before the show comes out. Uh, one of the things that we discussed was this idea of because uh, I'm an ENFP and so is she. Like for my because she's all about Myers Briggs. Yeah. And essentially Ben Seffel, I think he talked about it when you guys were doing the Facebook Live, was about how he can write weeks and weeks and weeks worth of. Um, months sorry months of newsletters ahead of time yeah whereas you have the other side like me i'm very last minute meaning i will get the work done like i will get my newsletter out the day before it needs to go out because <laughs> <laughs> otherwise it's just not going to fly for me yeah and it's so true it's just like living in that level of comfortability and i believe that every entrepreneur has to have a level of chaos around them just a small amount or a big amount depending on who they are to kind of remind them not to get comfortable yeah just my idea but dude thank you for actually taking the time doing the show today and actually providing some great stories and content bro Um, fun it was fun i mean we're just getting warmed up but it was fun thank you for having me on oh hell yeah dude i want to get you back on if this is us just getting warmed up fuck i want to get you back on here when we're fully running again we're just yeah we're just you're like getting me all hyped up (laughs) riled up now damn it i should have done this like an hour earlier it should be fun (laughs) all right guys uh go check out the podcastfactory.com if you're an entrepreneur coach business owner consultant go through the application process see if like you can actually get onto uh jonathan's books and if you can sweet if not just keep hanging around i'm sure a spot will open up but yeah, dude, thanks again for being here. Guys, check out uh, adelmarshi.com. Make sure that you guys subscribe, review, and share this episode for me because, you know, always helps us out the show and gets more legends to come on. And any last words before we go, Jonathan? Do work. Do work. That's the shit that you need to do. Write that down somewhere. DW, do work. Just don't say daddy's working. <laughs> you can. Unless you have kids. <laughs> well, you can, but prepare for a lot of weird looks and that's what i'm waiting for my friends are coming over this weekend so it'll be fine anyway but dude thanks again for actually uh doing this show and guys i'll see you on the next episode